Hey, fiends. Welcome back to the Feral House podcast. We are in quarantine day 370,000. Uh, today, oh, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Harley Flanagan of the Cro-Mags and also author of Hardcore, A Life of My Own, which we published in 2016. I'm so happy to have Harley here and able to talk to us as we use the technology to connect from Wisconsin to New York City. Harley, how are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? How are you holding up? We are doing well and happy to report that uh, folks here in the Midwest are taking it very seriously, except for our crazy election madness. How are folks in New York doing? We're, we're so sad to hear how hard hit you are by the virus. Well, honestly, uh, for, the most part, for the most part, everybody's um, doing what they're supposed to. I mean, the, the streets are pretty empty. Everybody's pretty much abiding by, uh, you know, the quarantine um, you know, it is serious. You know, it is. Uh, I actually have had people in my building. Uh, I've seen people, you know, taken out in ambulances and, uh, you know, on, on respirators and stuff. So, you know, when you start to see it like that, you know, it's uh, it's real. You know, I, and I have actually had uh, friends and family members who wound up getting the virus who actually uh, most of them, in fact, all of them have recovered. So, I mean, you know, it's not necessarily a, a death sentence but I, I but we still have to treat it as as if it is because we don't know enough right now and and until you know until we you know develop the 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 things we need to fight this disease and, and until we develop the immune system that can handle it you know we got to be careful, man. Yeah. It's no joke. I agree. I mean, to me, this is like old punk rock rules of we're a community and we got to stick together. All of us were able to survive the punk rock days of kind of hard living and when folks were casting us out by sticking together. And I think that's how we're going to get through this. Um, the only difference, though, is that this is really about isolation. So it's like a real different uh take on community you know uh you know i mean it, it, we did that we did that show we were probably one of the first bands to do like a, a live uh quarantine concert that got broadcasted and and it's weird i'm communicating with a lot of people overseas a lot of fans and stuff people in different parts of the world and you know so yeah in, in one sense it, it gives us a a I think it gives us the mental tools to be able to use the technology and not succumb to that kind of like depression or despair, but really think creatively of how can we keep connected with our friends and our family. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm, that's what we're trying to do. You know, I'm, and me and my record label, you know, we're we're putting our heads together trying to think of new ways that we can, you know, get into people's literally into their house. You know, I mean, people are not going to be going out so much right now you know people so what do we do how do we how do we help them pass the time how do we help them as as musicians i feel like it's right now it's kind of our responsibility to we have to try to figure out new new ways you know yeah. but um we agree. We agree with you 100%. Hey, let me ask you, Harley, about, um, let's go back to 2016, which is uh, when your memoir came out. And people were so surprised to hear that Feral House was publishing your work because, rightly or wrongly, 
there were, people had some real misconceptions about who you are. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what your experience was when your book came out and how f folks reacted? Actually, um, Anthony Bourdain was, um, before I wound up um, signing the deal with you guys, you know, um, well, obviously, for, for those of you who, who haven't read it, uh, Bourdain, he did the, the blurb for the book. He, he was a dear friend of mine. You know, we we looked at I looked at a few different publishers and stuff, and really, everybody was afraid. Everybody was afraid of the book. Everybody was afraid of the content. I mean, Bourdain even told me he didn't tell me which publisher, but he said he had shown it to one publisher, and they were like, "This is this is toxic. We 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 can't touch this. We don't want anything to do with this." And and you know, to me, you know, being a, a you know a, a punk rocker from back in the day, you know, when when people tell you your stuff is too scary or it's or or it's toxic, you know, that's that's kind of almost like a, a sign of approval you know, in a, in a way. It means you know you did something right if it's if it's shocking the shit out of everybody. Either it really sucks or it's really good. One of the reasons why I opted to, to go with Feral House is because you guys have a, a history of really edgy stuff. You guys were never afraid of putting out things that were controversial or scary or, you know, um, offensive for that matter. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this book that falls into all of those categories. So, you know, uh, but the really important thing to me was that, you know, was maintaining my voice and and there was a few publishers that actually wanted to have someone else come in and like basically rewrite the book for me and and they even had people like do samples you know and I was like this is fucking garbage you know this is not me this is not me speaking this is not how I speak and this is, these are not my experiences you're trying to take my 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 story and turn it into something that's kind of fiction so you know that it pushed me to go to Feral House, and I'm glad I did, you know? Well, we're glad you did, too, because we think that your voice, your very specific experiences and voices, uh, is really important for people to read about. And, again, if you haven't read it, uh, please go search out Harley's book. You can find it on bookshop.org. That's been our favorite location to send people to buy books right now because a portion of the proceeds goes back to independent bookstores across the country. So that's a great way to support Harley, to support Feral House, and support the independent bookstores across the country, many of which are um, unfortunately closed because of the pandemic. So when the book first came out, Harley, what, would, what was the first reaction you had from both fans and um, maybe people who weren't fans. The I think the best the best uh, response I got for me personally was when people who grew up in my neighborhood, like for instance, when we had our first book uh, signing or book event or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, a bunch of people that I grew up with on Lower East Side. Not even people who were necessarily into hardcore or anything like that, just like locals, uh, some people I went to school with and stuff, people I went to like fifth and sixth grade and who just grew up in my neighborhood. And actually one of the members of uh, the gang, The Hitmen, which was a gang in my book that, you know, I was kind of afraid of as a, as a child, you know, they actually had a, a contract out on me for a while, you know, I was supposed to be killed. Um, and um, anyway, one of them came to the book signing. And uh, when people from that era are like, wow, you really you really nailed it, man. You really 
depicted it the way it was. You know, this is you brought me back, and like I actually bought a copy for friends of mine who who just don't understand what the neighborhood was like back then. You know, I just wanted them to 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 see and and read about it. And so for me, that was the that was uh, the, the the best response I got because I mean all the stuff about punk rock and hardcore and this and that you know that's everybody knows all that stuff that was you know those stories are obvious but when you can really bring someone into your neighborhood and really make them feel like this is what it's like you want them to be able to like smell it you know what I mean you want them to, to hear the sounds and and and, and feel it and. And, you know, when I got people from my neighborhood tell me that I nailed it, that was it. I was like, wow, cool. Then, then, I, I, then I did what I was supposed to. And, and as far as all the other stuff, you know, I did a lot of fact checking just to make sure that my memory was on point. You know, like there's not a story in that book that I didn't double check with other people who were there just to make sure that I was, in fact, remembering it correctly you know so yeah that's one of the things that people have asked me just in general of like is that shit true and i'm like yes everything yeah. all the stories that you read in the book are absolutely 100 percent true uh you know to be honest i mean i i left a lot of things out that you know were really also very um visceral you know really heavy shit but it's like you can only you can only fit so many fucking stories into into a book. I mean, you can only tell, you know, I mean, how many violent scenarios are you going to paint? How many, uh, you know, drug-induced situations? How many, you know, overdoses? And how many, how, how many times can you tell the same type of story? Sure, each, each one is different in its own way. Each one is grimy and, and, and visceral and disturbing. And each one could be its own you know, seen in a movie or whatever the fuck. But after a while, it's like, you know, this book could have been a thousand pages and, and there would still be stuff left to tell. So, you know, you and I both have friends who um, unfortunately, you know, didn't make it out of that time period. What do you think that you attribute your um, survival and, and now again, success to? Uh, you know, I really, I'd have to say... Uh, for starters, a lot of dumb luck, um, you know, because, I mean, I have, I should have been dead a thousand times, you know, I mean, um, I really couldn't tell you other than that, you know, fate, karma, who the hell knows, I mean, it's like, there's enough times that I've, you know, overdosed on different things, and there's, you know, enough times I've been in violent situations that could have ended bad, and, the, you know, and, I'd like to think there's some kind of of a reason, you know, but who the hell knows? I mean, so I just try to use it for what I can, you know. I mean, uh, I, I, I try to, you know, share whatever wisdom I've acquired with my kids and, and, and other people, and hopefully I'll save them from some of the, 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 the stupid dumb shit mistakes that I made. Yeah, you know? that's a that's a great old phrase that that um, I learned from my father-in-law who said, it, it's one thing to learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from somebody else's. <laughs> so. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I've heard that said before and I've said, you know, but sadly, more often than not, we wind up having to learn on our own. You know, because it's like, you can, you can see someone fuck up and you can know they're fucking up, but it's like, 
at least for I can speak for myself, I, a lot of the mistakes I made, I, I should have known better. And, and some part of me did. But um, for whatever reason, you know, we emulate what we see. And, and you know, sometimes the bad guys and the, the bad things, for whatever reason, attract us. Why do some kids like to, to, you know, wear the black cowboy hat and some kids want to wear the white one? You know, it's like everybody, uh, some people like the dark side of the force. Some people are attracted to Darth Vader as opposed to the Jedis. You know what I'm saying? Some people are just geared towards, you know. Yeah, they are. It's, um, it, it, yeah, nobody's got that, that formula down yet. So one of the things that, that I found most exciting and interesting in working with you is... As the book came out, um, more and more opportunities started developing on their own. People started rediscovering your very important work with the New York hardcore scene. Tell me about what you're doing now with the Chrome Eggs. Oh, man. Um, well, you know what? Since the book ended so much, I mean, since, since it got published, so much has happened. I mean, um, at the ending of the book, I don't think I'd even wrapped up the, the whole Chromex situation. Everything was kind of up in the air. And, um, you know, obviously in the book, I went to go see uh, the, the band that was playing as the Chromex at Webster Hall. And, and all of that happened. And uh, since then, I, I have regained ex complete and exclusive and total ownership of the name. I've been back out on tour. I've toured Europe several times. And, uh, you know, I, I went on the road and did a bunch of shows with the Misfits and uh, the Damned and a bunch of other legendary punk bands. And um, that in itself is like triumph for me because, you know, obviously every anybody who knows anything about my history of the band knows that this has been a real up and down fucking nightmare with this group. And it's been a real it's been a real um you know, burden, you know, it's like here, here's something that I, I created and, and put a lot of love and a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, a lot of pretty much my whole life. And then to have it basically pulled out from underneath me and then almost, almost, you know, there was, there was a few years. It was really difficult for me, you know, just emotionally to feel like, you know, I had nothing. It's a real testimony to your perseverance that you've stuck through and are, are, at this point right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, full credit I, I to you. you it, it, it's the one thing that really, I feel like my story at this point, it, not so much at the end of the book, but at this point now, I feel like my, my life has really been a, a success story in the fact that, uh, not, I'm not talking about like financially, it's not like I'm sitting on a pile of money or anything yet, but I feel that if you persevere, you can pretty much make it through the, 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 the most incredibly bad shit, you know, and I'm not just speaking from my experiences, you know, I'm speaking from the experiences of others, you know, other people that I know, people who've been through worse shit than I have, who've landed on their feet and are, and are doing amazing things now. And then, you know, I look at my life and I'm like, you know, like I said, man, I should have been dead a thousand fucking times. And the fact that now here I am, I survived all, all of that shit. I got I, I, my I got my band back. You know, my there was my family fell apart for a while. Again, in the book, it, it talks about some of it. But, you know, 
you know, my, my kids are back in my life, you know, and I'm married to, you know, just an amazing woman and, and things are really, I can honestly say that things are better for me now than they ever were in my life. And, um, I could have given up so many times and, and there were so many times that I was just like mangled on drugs and there was just so many circumstances that really could have really ended me and somehow or another I I lasted long enough to get through it and, and that's what I keep telling people you know I'm, I'm always writing stuff online and, and you know little words of encouragement to 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 myself, not really to anybody else, you know, just like, you know, you can make it through this. You can get through this. There. Don't give up, man. I, that's that's yeah. the key. Don't give up. Even even if the the circumstances seem overwhelming, I, I, I'm on your side with that. Even if you've yeah. got mental health issues, if you give Absolutely. up, you can't get the help you need. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can cross a line where there's no return, you know, and I'm so fortunate that I don't know how the fuck I crossed that line as many times as I did and managed to, to return or, or I had like, a, you know, maybe I still had like one toe on the other side of the line or something, you know, but, you know, so sadly, you know, we were talking about Bourdain before and it's like, you know, it just, it really, it just takes feeling of hopelessness and futility can just become so overwhelming that it really can feel like there's no way out except for just um the way out and 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 this, the tragedy with that is is that you you really never know what's ahead in, until you get there like you may feel like life is just not worth living like this you you I've felt that way for Christ's sake I mean God knows I I tried to kill myself when I was a kid several times and and I think that just, you know, spending a life uh, on, you know, a lifetime on drugs is kind of a, a, a way of slow suicide, whether you whether it's in the front of your brain or not. I mean, I've always said, you know, if you're willing to stick a needle in your arm and, and you know, tie a rope around your arm and stick a needle in it, that's really not a far cry from wrapping a rope around your fucking neck. You know, it's like, you know, every time you do it, there's a chance you might not actually live. You, that may be the time that you die and, and you don't give a fuck. You do it anyway. So what does that tell you? That, that, that there's obviously a, a lot of pain in that person or, or, or somebody who's just really desperate for a way out. Right. And that's and, we want to encourage everybody again. Don't give up. Man, don't give up. If you're listening to this right now, I can tell you on the links we're gonna have. I'm gonna have some links to some help groups and some groups that Harley supports. Some groups that I support. Um, if you take anything away from our conversation right now, is know that there is always something better. I'm not saying it's going to be great, but it's going to be better. So you got, and the only way you get to better is by not giving up. So not giving up. Tell me something yeah. else really good that happened because I know what it is. And you've got something that's going to be um, released very soon. Uh, I, you know, yeah. I think you get what I'm alluding to, right? Yeah, yes, I do. But you know what? One, one real quick, just to follow up on what you're saying sure. there about, uh, you know, not giving up. Look, that shit sounds easy. All right. It's like you, we can sit there and, and give all this don't give up, don't give up bullshit speech as much as we want. That's that sounds great. It's a great soundbite. But that doesn't mean it's, that it, shit's just going to get better 
like right away. Like honestly, from when my life really shit the bed, you know, back in 2000, whatever, you know, 11, 12, right around that turning point, it took me almost fucking seven years for my life to really, for me to really be able to look at myself and say, wow, I'm actually in a really good place right now. I'm actually, I'm actually like kind of happy. Like I, I feel good. Like I'm starting to learn how to be happy. Seven years is a long time. I, I'm saying this because I, I want people to understand that, you know, you can't know. It, you may, you know, it may not take seven years. It may take, you know, seven minutes, seven hours, seven days. It may take seven years. It may take fucking longer than that. But the point is, is shit can still turn out fucking amazing. Like, it, it, you know, you may, things may suck for, for, for a long time, but, you know, seven years was a motherfucker. Had I known it was going to be that long, I might have been like, oh, my God, I can never fucking deal with this for that long. But I didn't know, and I just kept going, and I kept going, and even when I was like, ah, my mother was fucking dying with cancer, man, and it took her the last, like, year of her life for her to feel like she, you know, really had an awakening and like for me and her really to connect. And like, even though she was dying from this horrible disease, things are worth, it's worth being alive because there are rewards. Even if it's just like the, the wisdom that comes with the fucking, the, the ass beatings we take, you know, I'm at this point, I can honestly say that I'm, I'm not even regretful for the, the the, the ass beatings that I took because they got me to the place where I can look back and be like, this is okay, you know? So just suck it up, man. You just fucking people out there, you're going through a hard time. Guess what? There's fucking other people out there who are going through much worse shit. So, you know, a lot of the lyrics on my, uh, which was where we were going right now, Chromax have a new record coming out. Um, we put out some singles over the last year. And a lot of the lyrics... Um, are on these type of topics about, you know, not giving up and not, you know, you know, not knowing what the future might hold. You know, um, the single that we just put out called The Final Test is actually, you know, the song is about um, being able to come to terms with, uh, with death and not being afraid. I think that and that's why the song is called The Final Test. Because it's like, you know, you can learn all these things in your life. But really, at the end of the day, it's, it's like, do you know enough to, to be at peace? Are you, are, that's what the final test is, is like. Have you found peace of mind? Are you, are you comfortable with life and death and who you are and where you are and where you're going? You know, whether, it, you know, the unknown. Are you, are you good with that? Yeah, man, fuck all this trivial bullshit. You know, right. let's talk about real stuff here. You know, like I don't give a fuck about scenes, hardcore scenes, punk rock, this, that, all scenes are for fucking, you know, they're for kids, they're, they're for teenagers, you know, you know, I was on the skate scene, I was a skateboarder, you know, it's like, you know, I was a hardcore kid. Well, you're not a fucking hardcore kid anymore, okay? It's like, what matters? That, that's that's the, the lyrics on this album are about real shit. The music still, you know, it's what I do. It's like I'm not trying to like reinvent the wheel. You know, it's 
I am still using the same fundamental basic uh, approach to writing. It's just evolved. You know, I, I, my playing has gotten better and I think my songwriting has gotten better. So I'm happy. I'm really excited about this record. And uh, I'm actually, you know, I've been writing like crazy. By the time this quarantine is over, I'll probably have like a double album written. I'm fucking losing my mind in here, you know. We'll be looking forward to that. Now, you've also um, explored some new avenues of creativity. And I know that um, you were working on an independent film. What can you tell me about that? See, there's so much going on that like, I can't even really honestly keep track. Uh, I, I was just in an independent film um, uh, starring um, uh, Michael Imperioli. He's one of the stars in it. Um, and uh, there's a... a, a a lot of actors who've been in it in the business for a while and some some young new actors and and I myself got to do some acting and um which was which is a new experience for me and it was a lot of fun so um I, I have a I have like three songs in the soundtrack I get to play this um like crazy Irish like thug who owns like a bar and basically operates a underground fight club for his boss, who's a, a drug dealer. And, uh, this, this just lots of crazy urban madness. It's really, it's about a, a, a veteran, a guy who's a Marine who comes back to his old neighborhood and he's a little screwed up from PTSD and he, you know, lands right back in the middle of his old hood, his old, uh, you know, the people he used to run with and they're all a bunch of fuck ups. So it's about him and him trying to deal with all of this. And my character is a, a fucking nut. So I, I really got almost too into the part. You know, it, it, it took me like a few weeks to come down. I was like so fucking amped up. I mean, I, you know, it was like, okay, I got to go back into the, the madness of my youth. Like, let's imagine me had I not had music. Okay. If, if it would have just been all violence, drugs, and crime all the time and nothing else, who would I have turned into? Okay. This guy. And, um, yeah. So where are, <laughs> when are, when is that movie going to be released? When do you have an idea of where people can watch it? You know what? There's so much going on with that, that I really couldn't tell you. Um, there, there are several different um, people, uh, you know, uh, looking to possibly pick it up. And, um, you know, this is, again, this is not my, my world of, of stuff. You know, I, I leave that to, to the people who are doing that. I, I did my part. I, I, I acted and I gave them some music. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't well, know the details. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure it includes some links to the production company. And so folks can follow it. And then when we get, when that movie's released, I'm sure that they'll post um, that information. And, and as will Harley and we'll post it too. So Absolutely. I, it, it, I'll just tell you this. It, it's, uh, it, it, the people in it, it's pretty intense. You know, besides the actors, all the all the extras are all real characters. I mean, you know, everything I've been through really came out in this film. And, and like, half of the dudes in the film are, are members of the Bloods, like different uh, gang members and stuff. Most of them are, are guys who've been in prison and guys who... They're, let me put it this way. They're not acting. They're kind of reliving you know, like one of the guy who, who um, well, I can't give away uh, what the, the guy that I wind up having a an issue with, let's say, 
uh, you know, he's from fucking Liberia and was like from the same tribe as uh, General Butt Naked. If any of you know who that is, you know, he was literally a, a cannibal uh, warlord in Liberia, you know, who used to go in, in, you know, he used to go into battle naked right. with his machine and because he believed, you know, his voodoo beliefs were that he could not get pierced by a, a bullet if he was naked. You know, they do all kinds of crazy rituals and which, you know, involved cannibalism and all kinds of madness. Okay, so this dude, this is the dude that I'm acting with. Wow. <laughs> okay? You know, so, like, the people, let me just, you know, tell you, the people in this movie, you know, you you could tell which ones are real as far as the tattoos on the face are not fake. You know this guy's been there and done that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. It sounds you know, like an intense I, movie. I'm, I'm excited to, to see it when it comes out, and I'm sure the fans will be too. So yeah. we, this is a, a great conversation. I know you're – even in quarantine, I know Harley's really busy because he, he's just continually, as he said, writing and recording and uh, – and talking to fans all the time. So what are your, what's the first thing you're going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do when the quarantine's lifted, Harley? Oh, Jesus. I, 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 I'm going to go to the academy and, and get back into my jujitsu, man. You know, I, I miss training. I, I miss, um, you know, I miss teaching. I, I miss all my students. And to be honest, most of my friends you know, are from my job. Like I, I really, I'm lucky. I, I love the people I work with. Um, you know, it's just a great bunch of people, all the jujitsu people and the Muay Thai people. And, you know, we're, we're a close knit family of people over there. So I, I, I believe it or not, I can't wait to get back to work. You I'm, know? I'm sure that, um, that folks miss you too. Uh, because I think that one of the, one of the things that I say when I talk about, um, you know, our, our conversations, Harley, are people still have the really Harley Flanagan? I'm just like, you don't know that man. He, he's, he's one of the most genuine, kindest people I've ever come across. And so I hope this conversation, um, helps folks understand like the, who you really are and, they should also read your book um, because that really gives some insights into what you've overcome to get to this place today. Do you have any other uh, final thoughts for folks listening today? Uh, you know what? Uh, just everybody out there, man, uh, you know, stay safe, man. This, I believe this is going to blow over. I don't know how soon, but you know, just keep things in perspective. You know, it's not the first time we've had to deal with, um, health crisis worldwide, you know, you know, there've been plagues before there've been things like this before and, and we will come out the other side of it. So, you know, really people just have to keep things in perspective and, and most importantly, you know, not to sound like, you know, your mom, but like wash your fucking hands, you know, <laughs> all the time, stay, stay clean, you know, like I don't, you know, the chances of, of like someone coughing or sneezing and like a particle of spit, you know, or some shit getting in at you is, is kind of a small chance. But as long as we all like take the extra precautions, you know, like I wear, I wear a mask when I go out and it's not, I don't feel like it's so much for my safety. I feel like it's really just to respect other people's space. You know, like if I'm going to if I know I'm going to be in around like other people, like there may be elderly people or kids or this and that, you know what? I'm always wearing gloves when I go out 
and I will wear a mask just out of respect for other people because I know it makes other people feel more like, okay, you know, this, like, you know, I get these, you get these joggers running past you, breathing all heavy and shit. And it's like, yo, you know what? Just but let's just all respect each other's space a little bit. We'll be all right. That's you know, we'll get through this. Yeah. We'll get through this. But like you said, just let's show each other a little respect. Cause we're all, you know, it's we're not, all in this together. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, I got in an argument with someone the other day just cause I felt like they were a little too close. And it's just like, you know what? It's not about being a dick. It's not about like, yo, you're too close. It's like, let's, Let's all just be respectful to each other. You know, I could take a few steps to this direction and you could take a few steps to that direction. We don't have to, it doesn't have to be an attitude. It's really just about how do we just get through this, you know? Thanks again, Harley. Absolutely, my pleasure. Hey fiends, thanks for listening to the Feral House Podcast. We do this about once a month, talking to Feral House and Process Media writers, as well as members of the extended Feral family. You're part of the family. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have an idea of someone we should talk to. You can send me a note at press at feralhouse.com, P-R-E-S-S at feralhouse.com.